Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers 28? The Israelites are on the brink of the Jordan River. <clears throat> the older generation, by the judgment of God, has passed away. This is a new generation, <clears throat> and there's great instruction for the people of God here. Numbers 28 and 29 go together, so this will be part one of the various offerings, and we'll have, God willing, uh, part two next time, Numbers 29 there, but they flow together. It speaks of uh, several offerings here. This is, except for a couple of new, of new instructions that are given here, this is a repeat of what was given in Leviticus uh, regarding offerings. Now, why is that so? I believe the great lesson is this. Each generation is to be taught anew and challenged with and charged with the responsibility of establishing and maintaining a relationship with the Lord. This is a new generation. The older generation in most of those aspects failed. They're dead. A new generation now will be responsible for going in and inhabiting the land of promise, a dream come true. What God had promised to Abraham is to be fulfilled in this new generation of Israelites. But the worship, the charge of worship, the challenge of worship, all of these aspects of worship are to be maintained. The worship, the instructions regarding worship, except for a couple of new things here, not to be disregarded. So in that sense, and this is just common sense really, every generation begins its service to the Lord anew. The older generation doesn't pass down its uh, dedication to the Lord. That generation has to teach the new generation what is to be done. And there across the Old Testament, especially in the Torah, the law, there are instructions from Yahweh to his people on how they are to instruct their children and they're to be observing worship as a part of life. And this worship maintenance and observation is proof of a relationship that exists between God and his people. So with regard to that, the first charge here is with regard to daily offerings. This is a, this is a new instruction. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, command the sons of Israel 
and say to them, my offering, my food for my fire offerings, a sweet aroma you, uh, for me, you shall take care to offer me at its appointed time. Worship for the Israelites was a different thing than it is for the church. Worship is obviously uh, lifted up to the same God, but the story of God's Lamb, the story of the reality of sin, the grace of God in allowing atonement for sin, all of that is written visually in the calendar, the festivals, the feasts, uh, and some of them were solemn feasts, and some were happy fellowship gatherings. All of that is written visually uh, for the Israelites in the Old Testament. Now today, Thank God in heaven, we don't have to come together on specific days, calendar days, and witness the slitting of a throat of an animal and watch it bleed to death as it bleats and gasps for breath, and see the priest with his blood-stained hands and garments, put that thing on the altar and offer it up to Yahweh and parcel it out in some cases with the worshiper between the priest and in some cases all of it being burnt up to the Lord. We don't have to witness that today. But this was a very visual and dramatic thing for the Israelites. It was in every observation of these rituals visually pounding into their minds the tragedy of sin the, the expense, the cost of sin and what it meant to the Lord and how the Lord could only accept an unblemished atonement for sin and the worshiper then could visually, dramatically and by illustration, metaphorically receive the, the purity of the sacrifice to himself and all that was wrong with him transferred to the sacrifice. This, now ours is verbal. We have a verbal worship. And what I mean by that is, we, uh, we, we teach and learn the doctrine of the apostles. We pray and we, we have prayers. And uh, we sing hymns and psalms. The things that we do, we offer up verbally. Now, in some cases and in some churches, they, they offer drama and so forth. Uh, personally, I can take it or leave it. But to me, the praying, the preaching, and the singing, the praising, these are the three foundation stones of, of Christian worship. It's a verbal thing, and we offer it. We offer it personally and verbally but not visually and dramatically. All of that was done by the children of Israel. It, it's, I heard a preacher say it like this once. 
The Old Testament law and all that the Israelites did was like a coloring book for someone learning to read. I don't know how they do it these days. But in my day, if you were studying the letter B, you'd have a sheet of paper handed out by the teacher. She'd mimeograph that thing. And you had to color a simple picture of some, of some boy, and his name was Billy, and he was bouncing a ball. And that's how you studied the letter B, right? Well, that's like the Old Testament law and the Israelites. It's a coloring book. After I got out of the first grade, I think now they're probably doing that at three years old, but in my day, it was the first grade. Now you're ready to read simple sentences. You're not ready to read a, a dissertation from a PhD candidate, but you are ready to read because you know how to identify and pronounce all of the letters, and so you put them together. And you, you know, you're kind of silly when you do it for b, e, li, b, l, m, st, a, b, all, right? Maybe some of us still do it that way. That sounds like me in a Hebrew reading session. But, uh, it becomes, it becomes a study. It becomes, it becomes a thing in the New Testament that has been completed in the Old Testament. And we understand that Christ is all of that. So we're studying about some aspect of Christ when we're studying these things in the law. The Israelites are receiving instruction with or through the priesthood via Yahweh and the law regarding relationship, relationship between the child of God and God, between the people of God and their God. This relationship is established and the aspects of that relationship are seen visually and dramatically what it means to be in a relationship with your creator who you are who he is how far away the two of you are and what must be done in order for there to be a bridge from here to there this is this is the great instruction uh, in the law this is a new generation here and so now they are given, now that they're going across as a great congregation, they're given a couple of, of, uh, of new instructions, and this is one of them. Uh, the appointed time, a sweet aroma for me, verse 3. And you shall say to them, this is the fire offering, which you shall offer to Yahweh. Two unblemished lambs in their first year each day as a continual burnt offering. The one lamb you shall offer up in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer up in the evening, okay? You, you, in order to have a relationship with your creator, 
You must have a sacrifice made in your behalf. And so daily, the priesthood would then offer a morning offering and an evening offering. So your day is a day of worship that begins with a lamb and ends with a lamb. This is how the people were taught. In the first year, a sweet little innocent lamb. Offer it up morning and evening. Start your day with it and end your day with it and understand the importance all day long from the beginning of it to the end of it, the importance of the blood of the lamb daily. This is your relationship daily. It begs the question of those who claim to be in Christ and yet do not seem to have some kind of daily relationship with Christ. He's forever before us and with us. And what he's done is always on our mind. And the reason that it was done always on our minds because we're sinners and we've been saved by grace, cleansed by the blood of the lamb. So this is the, uh, this is the instruction of these offerings Way back, they're about to go into the land of Canaan. Always remember, your day begins with and ends with the blood of the lamb. Now, the tenth of if a fine flour for a meal offering mixed with a quarter of a hen of crushed olive oil, a continual burnt offering, a burnt offering, as the one offered up at Mount Sinai for a sweet aroma, a fire offering to Yahweh. Its libation shall be one quarter of a hen for each lamb to be poured on the holy altar as a libation of strong wine to Yahweh. And the second lamb you shall offer up in the evening. You shall offer it up with the same meal offering and libation as the morning sacrifice, a fire offering with a sweet aroma to Yahweh. This is maintaining on a daily basis a recognition of the importance of my relationship to, to Yahweh. I have to observe this and be aware of it every day. How can I not help? How can I, how can I not be aware of it every day of my life? If I'm a born-again Christian, how can, I, how can I escape the thoughts of my failures as a man in Adam and the glory of my redemption in Christ whose blood has washed away my sin. How can I escape that? How can I not somewhere in a day, every day, not think of my Christ and what he has done for me? Now, the next new instruction is uh, with regard to Sabbath offerings. Shabbat. The Sabbath is the last day of the week. In the, in the Jewish calendar, in the Israelite calendar, in the Old Testament calendar, a year was 354 days long. It's a lunar calendar. 365 days for us, and I think it's one-third. 365 and a third? Something like that, so that we have to have a leap year. All right, now, in the lunar calendar, it was very clear when a 
when a, uh, a, a month started and ended. You could tell it by the moon. So on the lunar calendar, they, they would go along with whatever phase the moon was in. A week ended, the first day of the week was Sunday, and the Sabbath was Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Ending the week is the Sabbath. It wraps up the week. So here's what he says to the Israelites about uh, Sabbath offerings. And on the Sabbath day, two unblemished lambs in the first year, two tenths and eighth of a fine flour as a meal offering mixed with oil and as libation. This is the burnt offering of each Sabbath on its Sabbath in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. All right. Your day begins and ends with a lamb. When your week has been completed and your work is over and the day of your rest has come, you are to reflect on your relationship with the God who has given you life and vitality to work and to produce. You are to end that week being reminded of the lamb, the blood of the lamb. So it's for the Israelites, the Sabbath was a day that the Israelites would rest on a completed creation of God. There's nothing left to do. So at the end of the week, in reflecting on the Sabbath, the Sabbath which was established because it was the day that God rested, when he made everything, when he created everything, the worshiping Israelite would reflect upon the week and upon the creation of God and the blessings of God with that, within that creation. And he would rest on the knowledge that God had established the truth in the Sabbath that his work was complete. You can't add anything to it. Thus, it would be a, a perspective, a, 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 an illustration of personal relationship now to acknowledge God in creation. So now, not only does he engage God personally on a daily basis, but now on a weekly basis, as well, because the week speaks of other things, and therein he worships God for it. From time to time, you'll see some well-meaning writer who speaks of the Christian Sabbath. There is no Christian Sabbath. There is a Sabbath. Then there is a first day of the week, which is the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now... We not only rest in the completed work of God in Christ, but the first day of the week, of course, speaks of the resurrection of Christ, which speaks of the reality and the, and the absolute completeness of the redemption that we have in Christ. So we have this added treasure in our lives of worship 
that not only, and we're not required to worship on the Sabbath, we can reflect on the glory of God in his completed creation. But then on the first day of the week, we worship a risen Lord. Now, we rest in him for everything. John 1 tells us he's the creator. Well, the creator came and died for us and he was raised again on the first day of the week, the Sabbath. And we worship him not only as creator, but as redeemer. And it all comes together on the first day of the week. Here, however, is the reflection of the obligation, reflection upon the obligation of the worshiper to be involved personally in his relationship with God through this monthly offering, this Offering, I mean, I'm sorry, no, uh, weekly offering, the sub, sabbatical, the Sabbath offering. Now, daily, weekly, monthly, monthly offerings. And on the beginning of your months, you shall offer up, okay, the first of every month. You shall offer up a burnt offering. Now, all these are burnt offerings. It's not a sin offering. It's not a trespass. Not a gift. It is a burnt offering. A burnt offering is an offering of absolute dedication. It is an offering that follows the sin. I mean, the worshiper has already dealt with sin. Now he's dealing with dedication, personal dedication to the Lord. This is a burnt offering. It's the offering that is totally flayed and practically turned inside out so that nothing of the innards could be hidden from God. It's just completely flayed and laid open before the Lord and then it's burned up and this is a sweet aroma to Yahweh and this is, a, this is the dedication. So it's again a burnt offering. All of these offerings have to do with a redeemed worshiper, I guess you could say. Already having already dealt with the sin offering. All right, so... A burnt offering to Yahweh, two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs in the first year, all unblemished, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, meal offering mixed with oil for each bull, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, meal offering mixed with... Now, we studied all this in Leviticus. There's, there, there are meanings uh, for this. So it's, we're not going to repeat all that. Our, our work here is to observe how the next generation is charged with being responsible for maintaining publicly and outwardly and congregationally a relationship with God. This is, and God said, this is how you do it. They didn't go to church like we do, but they have a, a, a calendar that has a series of events. Three in particular uh, are events that are events which, in which the uh, adult males were required, there are three of them, to go to Jerusalem. Well, that's for another time. Uh, a tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with oil as a, uh, as a meal offering for each lamb, a burnt offering with a sweet aroma, a fire offering to Yahweh, their libations, a half of a hen uh, for each bull, a third of a hen for each ram, a quarter of a hen for each lamb wine. This is the burnt offering of each new month in its month through the months of the year. And the young and one young male goat for a sin offering. Okay, now, having completed all of this, is it time for people to acknowledge a sin offering? 
With what do you acknowledge it? Male goat. For a sin offering to Yahweh, it should be offered up in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. This was a monthly offering. It is an acknowledgement. It is an opportunity. It is to reveal the reality that God's people are not flawless. We are flawed. And in the instructions that are given, remember, this is sort of a repeat of what was already given more extensively in Leviticus. So I've gone through a month What sin is brought to my mind? Now's the time to deal with it. That's what he's saying here. Now's the time to deal with it. God not only provides that you would make an offering to dedicate yourself completely, but also to examine yourself and to be given the opportunity to make a sin offering. Uh, if, uh, if, if, of course... One is, and it was, all, it was always necessary. Nobody, nobody in the congregation would claim to have been sinless for uh, the month. All right, now we go to an annual offering. So we've looked at daily, weekly, monthly, and now annual Passover offerings. Now we know what Passover is. Of course, that's the celebration of how they escaped Egypt divinely. The sacrifice for Passover was a family event. It was not a congregational event. Each family would, uh, would come together in a Passover sacrifice. But now this is addendum. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, you shall offer up a Passover offering to Yahweh. Now this is congregationally. On the 15th day of this month, a festival begins. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. And on the first day is a holy convocation you should not perform any mundane work. You should offer up a fire offering, a burnt offering to Yahweh, two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs. In the first year, they should be unblemished for you. Their meal offering should be fine flour mixed with all three tenths for each bull, two tenths for the ram that you shall offer up. You shall offer up one tenth uh, for each lamb, for all seven lambs and one young male goat for a sin offering. Again, Passover annually. Examine yourself to atone for you. Atonement is available for the people of God. And you shall offer up these besides the morning burnt offering, which is offered as a continual burnt offering. Now, let me remind you of what the book of Hebrews says. To paraphrase, the book of Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews says, we're not, we're not being called to an ongoing ritual whereby there are always sacrifices for sin to be made. We're called to come to Christ who once for all has made uh, the sacrifice for us. And all of this has come together in Christ. And so he, he is our absolute offering. He is the once for all offering for all who are in Christ. Now in the Old Testament economy here, they have to do it. We've seen on a monthly, on, a, on, a, on an annual basis with Passover. And then there were other times that people could come. Uh, and offer a, a sin offering, a guilt offering, a trespass offering. They could offer that. And in the Old Testament, the 
coloring book picture was continual. You're saved by the blood of the lamb. You're a sinner. You're saved by the blood of the lamb. You're not perfect. Things have happened in your life. You're saved by the blood of the lamb. But you see now today, we have our great high priest. The book of Hebrews chapter 7 says, he lives forever to make intercession for us. So now, instead of going back and and re-expressing our responsibility and our acknowledgement of sin and and, uh, our need for blood atonement, all of that has been taken care of for us in the blood of Christ. The book of Hebrews makes that uh, very plain. But this is the development of the doctrine. Very important for the people of God, the new generation. How would they know about that if they didn't personally experience it? They're about to go, you remember Leviticus taught them you're about to go into a land and they do horrible things in the name of worship. You're going to see behaviors that you've never seen before. And and then he enumerates those horrible things that the Canaanites were doing. And Yahweh says to them, you'll not do those things. These things are an abomination to Yahweh. And if you do any any of these things, it's a death penalty for you. That's what he says. They're about to experience, there's a new generation about to experience something that no Israelite congregation has ever experienced. I mean, the descendants of Abraham, the immediate descendants were there. They were just no more than tribal. But this is a great nation about to cross the Jordan River, and it's a new generation. And they're going to have to be taught, and they're going to have to acknowledge in these, in these offerings and sacrifices the great doctrines of sin and salvation, a right relationship with Yahweh, how it is a continual and constant thing. When that begins to slacken, when that begins to, when God's people begin to loosen up on their personal responsibilities before the Lord and the relationship becomes less and less important, and the things of the world and relationships within the world grow more and more important, thus displacing the place of God in their lives, then that society collapses. They fall really into judgment that was of their own making, having been warned in the Bible against, uh, against behaviors, attitudes, and uh, loose living, whatever, as they turn away from God, thus rejecting him probably little by little until finally they're consumed by the world. And in the illustration given to us in the Old Testament, both the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom succumb to this rejection of God. Because somewhere, some generation begin to loosen up in its personal relationship, its obligation of worship to Yahweh. And in losing that, The next generation loses even more of it until finally that final generation comes that comes completely under the judgment of God. Well, this is a new, this is a new generation. They're going to have to be reminded. They're going to have to be taught about the important things that establish and maintain this relationship with Yahweh. Like these, you shall offer up daily for seven days, food for the fire offering, a sweet aroma to Yahweh, and you shall offer up this in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation, 
The seventh day shall be a holy convocation for you. You should not perform any mundane work. All right, so daily, weekly, monthly, and annually. And now we have, we're going, we'll see a feast. The feast of weeks is a, it's a harvest. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a harvest feast. It, it, it joins the feast of, well, let me get into it here. Uh, the feast of weeks offerings. Pentecost. It's Pentecost. That's what it is. It's seven weeks plus the next day. 50 days. It begins way back there. The beginning of that countdown is the feast of first fruits. That's the resurrection of Christ. That is, that is the beginning, if I, if I remember, this beginning of summer harvest and then the end of the wheat harvest at Pentecost for those people. And this is one of the three, uh, one of the three festivals that Jewish men were required to attend. So this is Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits. The birth of the church 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now there is a requirement for offerings on the Feast of Weeks because you see on the day of the first fruits, it starts, all of this has to do with harvest. And uh, it, it, it obviously acknowledges God's blessing upon his people in a, in a physical sense. On the day of first fruits, when you offer up a new meal offering to Yahweh, on your festival of weeks, it should be a holy convocation for you. You should not perform any mundane work. You should offer up a burnt offering with sweet aroma to Yahweh, two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs for the first year. Their meal offerings shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths for each bull, two tenths for the ram. One tenth for each lamb for all seven lambs, one young male goat to atone for you. And you shall offer up this besides the continual burnt offering and his meal offering, and they shall be unblemished for you as well as the libation. So first fruits goes through to the feast of weeks. So this is weeks. This is a thing of weeks to be concluded with the Pentecost, uh, the 50 days after. And this is an acknowledgement of the blessing of God in our, in our livelihood, in our existence. He, he gives to us and brings to us, promises to us, and, and, and we acknowledge that in our uh, daily life. Now, this is not the end of this complete uh, passage here. It ends in uh, chapter 29, and it continues with other offerings. But we're going to stop right here, and uh, we'll be dismissed, Okay. Father God in heaven, Lord, we praise you for how you've taken care of us in every way and how you have brought us to Christ who is the completion of all of the law for us. How Christ has taken care of everything and when we come to faith in Christ, how all of these things come together such that we have this perfect relationship 
in Christ who gives to us his spirit and gives to us life forever. Father, I pray that you will enrich our lives as we continue to study these things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.